No balls ass. Good morning. How's everybody doing? This is uh, Tom James coming to you from the Real Tom Brad Studios. Got a sleeping baby next to me. Uh, cute as ever. And uh, wanted to get you some bonus content. I've been listening to a lot of NBA podcasts. And <clears throat> there's some things that I just have to weigh in about. So... Let's get this started. This is the Latam Simmons podcast. So I've been watching a lot of playoff basketball, at least one game every night that they've been on, and have just been loving it. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, what I think is going to happen is right now in the West, it's Golden State-Houston, both up 3-1. I think that... Uh, both teams go on to win 4-1, and that will get a great Western Conference Finals. I think LeBron uh, finishes out the series tonight, and the other Cavaliers may or may not show up. I think, actually, Philly might win one game, and I think that uh, instead of that being a sweep, it's going to be 4-1, maybe 4-2. We'll see Boston versus Cleveland. Latam will owe the commish a pitcher of his choice of beer. And then we will see Cleveland play Golden State in the finals. I think that Cleveland is going to win that one uh, on their home floor. So I think it's either going to be a sweep of Boston or it goes to game six. And then I think we see the Warriors uh, beat the Rockets and I think that's either going to be a sweep by the Warriors or I think it'll go to seven. Maybe a cop out, but I'm saying I don't think that it goes five or six games. I think it's either a sweep or it goes seven. But as I've been listening and watching this stuff, you see tons of things. You see the tons of the TNT analytics. You see a lot of you see a lot of talk, and they talk about who's the best, best players, etc. And they go into MVP. So looking back at a list of winners of the MVP award, if we start with 2004, Steve Nash wins twice. 2006, it's it's the Dirk. 2007, Kobe Bryant or seven eight. And then starting with 2008-9, it's LeBron James, LeBron James, Derrick Rose, LeBron James, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Steph Curry, Russell Westbrook. And if we look at if we look at this award, it's obvious that LeBron James has been dominating the league since that 08-9 season. The 2010-2011 season, people seem to get huge boners for Derrick Rose, which I think might have included Sean voting him as number one in the league. And it was only because he was young and special. And yeah, sure, that year, the Bulls did win 62 games. And I was living in Chicago at the time. People were super into it. Here's this young kid who's doing, who's doing, you know, attacks the basket with all this stuff. Can we give this third-year player uh, MVP? Blah, blah, blah. And people are super into it. But that year, LeBron James was obviously the best player. And there was nothing, there was, this was not shown ever better than when the Bulls and the Heat played in the playoffs. 
in the fourth quarter of each game, LeBron James would step out on Derrick Rose, guard him, and be like, come on, young one, try and do something. Derrick Rose could do nothing. I watched pretty much every single one of those games with my Chicago friends who are all Bulls fans, and it was incredible to watch. You could just see them all get so demoralized and shut down. And after that, I just loved it because LeBron, they'd go up and they'd ask him questions about it. And he was like, well, you know, the the MVP. And he kept referring to Derrick Rose as the MVP. I think ironically, because it obviously should have been LeBron. The voters get it right again the next two years, going back to LeBron saying, yes, here is this beast of a player. We'll give him these two. And then they start veering off again in the 2013-14 season. They give it to Kevin Durant, you know, this guy who's getting a lot of attention. Uh, People love him. He's scoring a lot of points. The Thunder from the, I think it was the 2012-13 Thunder team. Maybe it was the 11-12 whenever they made the finals. People loved those guys. So they decided to give it to Durant, which is basically just because he scores a lot of points. Still should have been LeBron that year for six in a row. 2014-15, definitely Steph Curry gets it. 15-16, the only unanimous one, definitely Steph Curry. But the committee fucked up again in 2016-2017. And that's like what I'm more pissed about. So in 2016-17, they give MVP to Russell Westbrook. And why do they give him MVP? Because he averages a triple-double on the season. They say, oh, this is amazing, hasn't been done in so long. And because of these stats, he's given the award as most valuable player. If you look at the voting totals, a lot of the writers, etc., do give him this award. But in a very short time later, almost everyone regrets it and says, no, he's not the most valuable player. He just has... The, the best stats. Well, how does he get the best stats? One, he's holding the ball all the time. And two, his team is ass. So without him, uh, <clears throat> or I mean, there's really nobody else other than him to score all these points, make all these assists. And the rebounds is, is pretty, pretty dang cool. But a lot of those voters looked at it last year <clears throat> and they think that James Harden should have been the MVP. And now they're having buyer's remorse and saying, why did I vote for Westbrook? And there's no better way to show that than this year. So this year, Westbrook averages a triple-double again. And I'd say him doing it this year is actually much more impressive because he had he had two other dynamic pieces to his team. He gets uh, Paul George and he gets Carmelo Anthony on his team, who can both score, who can both do things, and yet he still averages a triple-double. But people now see this as being as hurting the team. So Westbrook might be second team or even third team All-NBA by the time it comes out. So right there, we can look at the two years. If it's only the triple-double, he should be the MVP again. But now, somehow these dumbasses are talking about James Harden being the MVP, Instead of LeBron James, who's the obvious choice. LeBron James, we should see this year, a second unanimous MVP decision. I'll even 
concede slightly that if you want to do Durant in 2013-14, okay, whatever. But there's no fucking way that it should be Harden over LeBron this year. And that's partially even from Harden's own admission. So if you remember last year when they're talking about in the 16-17 season, James Harden says about him or Russell Westbrook of who should be MVP, Harden himself says that games played should matter. Last year, 16-17, Harden plays 81. This year, in 17-18, he plays nine less games at 72. So if gameplay matters, well, then let's see. Who played more games? Oh, yeah, LeBron James played all fucking 82. That matters based upon Harden's own admission. Also, let's look at the stats. If we look at Harden's stat line from 16-17 to 17-18... Yes, his scoring increased from 29.1 to 30.4. So he averages just over an extra point a game. But his re- his assists went down from 11.2 per game to 8.8 per game, and his rebounding went down from 8.1 to 5.4. Well, so his stats decrease, his games decrease, and because he sucks in the playoffs, they get another, what, some people seem to think is a top 10 player. How does this make him the MVP? Is it only due to wins? I would say that if you're only going to base it on wins, yeah, the Rockets have 65. Sure, that's really good. Everybody knows that. So that's more than they were projected, and 65 is a lot. But I think if that's the metric on more wins than you should or doing this, then your candidate folk shifts from Harden to Oladipo, who got an ass team in Indiana to an almost 50-win season. Okay, they had 48 wins. And yeah, that's a lot less than 65. But you take Oladipo off the team, and Indiana is like hoping that they get selected for the lottery next month. That definitely matters. And I think that what you do for your team matters quite a bit. And if you think of that, if you take that, no one touches LeBron. Okay, he had three teams around him this year. And I have no idea what the fuck the Cavs were thinking or doing. And trading Irving essentially for Clarkston and Nance, Osmond, and two picks? No way. So LeBron had to carry three different teams all year, and they still won 50 fucking games. They do not win. That team without LeBron is definitely not in the playoffs. That team is hoping that Brooklyn's pick is doing very well, and they're fighting for Brooklyn, like in the lowest in the East category. Yet somehow LeBron gets them, so they're going to be in the finals again. And this season, he averaged 27.5 points, 9 assists, and 8.5 rebounds. That's incredible. Way better than Harden's stats. <clears throat> also, you if we think about this, the thing that pissed me off with the MVP award is if we think of it as most valuable or best player, LeBron fits both metrics, right? Most valuable to his team. You take Harden away from Houston, or you take LeBron away from Cleveland, which one goes down by more? Obviously the Cavs. Which player's better? Obviously LeBron. He wins both metrics. 
Somebody else who would who should agree with this is some of you guys' boy, Kevin Durant. He gets his own rant in a minute, the Durant rant. But Kevin Durant, when he's on the Bill Simmons podcast, said talked about the blog boys and said the blog boys basically suck because all they're doing is they're using advanced metrics instead of trusting their eyes and actually watching games. And he said if you watch games, you see things on a completely different level. Well, okay, let's go with that. Let's not be the blog boys. Let's be guys who watch games. Well, if you watch games, it's easily LeBron, who's the best and most valuable the entire time that he's out there. Okay, Harden can, can shoot incredibly well. He can score incredibly well. There is no denying that. He's, he's a great offensive player. But if you watch it, you look at the Rockets, and they're good when he's out there, and they're good when he's not. And sometimes you could watch the Rockets, you could watch a game like last night's Rocket Jazz game, and you might not even realize that Harden's not in the game for a little bit because it doesn't matter that much. But if you watch the Cavs, if LeBron is not in there, they suck. Okay, I think that... I. For my money, if you take the SNL skit with LeBron, those guys in LeBron, and you put them against the other real Cavaliers, it's going to be a pretty even game. So I think that doing that metric of trusting your eyes and actually watching games, LeBron is the best too. So basically, I'm saying that if LeBron doesn't get the MVP, fuck the MVP awards. Begs the question, where's LeBron going to go? So the next segment that we want to look at in today's pod is I would just want to talk a little bit about where I think my boy LeBron is going to go next year, which I think is definitely not Cleveland. I think, and I've thought for a little while, that he's going to be going to Philly. And... I just wanted to talk and get it out in the universe a little bit why I think he's going to Philly. And I wanted to do this before other people chime in because, like, I've been listening to a lot of the uh, Bill Simmons podcast recently, a lot of the NBA ones, anything I can listen to, really. And I know that I had some traction, and I want my theories to get out there before we hear too many. But basically... When the all-star break came up, there were some stories that LeBron and he, his people were looking at some schools by Philadelphia. I think that's a lot bigger deal than people let on to. Now, sure, he's got the houses in L.A. That makes sense. And the L.A. move uh, in a lot of ways makes sense to me for LeBron, except for the basketball move. He's too good to play for the Lakers, um, I think that unless the Lakers are about to somehow get like him, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and maybe some other piece, I don't know why he goes there. He knows the East. He's been king of the East. And that's why Philly makes more sense. Why jump to the West at this point in your career? You still have those houses in L.A., but the thing that people don't ever really talk about when they talk about the major thing 
is Philly's only like an hour and a half to two hours from New York. So if he strategically positioned his house on the New York side of Philly, and he could get there really quickly. Plus, any meeting that is in New, like L.A. will be in New York, maybe more. And they're going to start when he gets there. So he could even take fucking helicopters to these meetings. Or if they're a little outside of New York, I, I think Philly is almost like a suburb of, at that point. Plus, uh, Chris Bosch talked about this on the Simmons podcast, that LeBron just loves ball. And thinks that LeBron's goal for his career is to play with his son. And for my money, and I've watched LeBron a lot and think that he's just, like, he's such a unique player. The only player that I have personally seen that even reminds me of him a little is Ben Simmons. And I think that if LeBron goes to Philly, he gets to mentor Simmons in how to play. And in turn, in a few years, LeBron Jr. comes to Philly and Simmons then mentors him. So I think it like kind of works out good for all of them. Now, I want to address something that Bill Simmons mentioned on his podcast, which is the fact that he thinks getting the, the ball out of the hands of Simmons and Embiid is a terrible strategy for Philly. But I think that what that it's actually that that's like the worst logic I've heard from him because what Philly would gain is top, you know, tied for best player of all time. They get him mentoring Simmons and you look at Philly, this playoff series and just how out of it they are. Yeah, sure. They could learn, but if they had LeBron, they'd be probably up three Oh on Boston now instead of down Oh three. And, LeBron, I think if he had players like him, like Simmons and Embiid and some of those other guys, he'd actually be happy, like helping them give it up a little bit. But the other thing that goes into this is like people talk about Simmons and Embiid being the heart of Philly, but Embiid gets hurt so often that without him, like what does Philly have? So I think they trade Fultz in a pick. And maybe a couple European guys for LeBron. LeBron gets to play there, gets to do the mentor, gets his kid there. And he still gets to be that like global uh, basketball ambassador being right by in New York. All right. It is now time for the rant of the week. The rant of the week this year comes from player. I mean, this week comes from player Latam. And... Latam is pissed about Kevin Durant on the Warriors still. So, why is that? Let's hear it, Latam. All right, I'm fucking pissed about Kevin Durant and him being talked about as being so good and being like a top fucking five player in the NBA with his actions. I hate seeing him on the Warriors still. If you look at the Warriors, the 14-15 Warrior team was amazing. They had one of the best benches that I've ever seen watching basketball. And they had three guys in Thompson, Green, and Curry that played out of their minds. They won 67 games. And they won the finals with great shooting and great team play. Those guys were in the draft. They were all drafted. The team was built from those guys. And they played together 
like in an insane fashion. They win the NBA championship. Quick shout out to LeBron again. The thing that no one ever talks about is basically they beat the 2007 Cavaliers. Yeah, Love and Irving were on the team, but they were both injured, and it was LeBron and Ass versus them. And LeBron almost won. Next year, 2015-16, they come out. They win 73 games, okay? Same pretty much team as before. Amazing season. Curry hits over 400 three-pointers. They win 73 games. They lose nine. Single digits is all that they lost. Nine games the entire year. They beat the Thunder to make it to the finals. And then they lose. Okay, so this time there's a healthy Cavaliers team, and the Cavs beat them in one of the best performances anyone has ever had in the game of basketball by LeBron. Then Durant signs with them in 2016. Fuck that. Okay, the Warriors lose more games this next year. They lose six more games. Win six less games. <clears throat> yeah, they won the finals, but still. Then in 2017-2018, again with Durant, they win nine less games. Fifteen less games than two years ago. Okay? Each year, they get worse with Durant. Their bench gets worse. And those guys, the core of Thompson, Green, and Curry, who were homegrown, drafted, and did so well together, it gets a little bit less and a little bit less. I think we're seeing the turn of the Warriors from Kevin Durant. So I'm sick of tons of people talking about him and hearing about how great Durant is when the Warriors as a team have lost 15 more games with him being there. End of rant of the week. All right. We're going to end this one by saying who in the no balls ass, who is like who in the playoffs. So in this portion of the show, uh, Everett and I are going to break down who each member of the No Balls Association is like in the playoffs. Uh, Everett might only do a few hiccups or maybe a cry here and there, but he's watched a game pretty much every night of his life, right, E? Yep. That was a yep. So first up, we have uh, we have Christian. We're going to start with the commish. And as we've th- as Everett and I have thought about it, we just can't help but think that Christian is definitely Lance. And, yep, Christian's a guy that if you give him an opportunity, he's going to take it. And I think if you were to put Christian in the spotlight and put him on the best players in the world, I mean, he loves that WrestleMania. He's got that flair. And he would probably do some of the same shit Lance does. So Everett and I definitely think that Christian is Lance Stevenson. Then let's go from Christian to me. I think that my person is pretty obviously Kyle Lowry. Uh, He and I have had a fantasy connection. Shouldn't have traded him this year, but did. And Lowry's a guy who shows up pretty much every night. 
but he can't beat the best, which is kind of like Latam, right, Everett? <clears throat> the third person I want we want to give a player to is also a Raptor, and that person is Fred Van Vliet. And Van Vliet is a guy who sometimes just looks like he shouldn't be out there. But even though he sometimes looks that way, he's going to take the game winner. You put him in the game, he's shooting it. And he's going to say, and his player, his friends will say after the game, that, yeah, we wanted him to shoot it. So he's got this, like, swagger out there that even if he doesn't play that much, he's still definitely taking charge. He's going to lead. You can tell he puts a lot of time into the fashion that he brings to the game. And, of course, Van Vliet is Kyle. So we'll go from Kyle to Kyle's boy, Chuck. Chuck is all about the flair. Uh, if there were to be a player in our league that was into statistics, it would definitely be Chuck. Chuck would look at the numbers. He'd tell you numbers don't lie. He's going to think that they're more important even than team play. And so if Chuck personally does well, he's going to call that a win. And quite fittingly, my son just took a shit as I'm talking about Chuck. And is there a player in the playoffs that better embodies stats over performance than Russell Westbrook? So, Chuck, you're Russell. And just like Russell, MVP. From Chuck, we move to his nemesis, Ian. And Ian is Kevin Love. So Kevin Love is talented. There's no doubt. Everybody knows that. Every article mentions his talent first. He, he's somebody you want on his team, on your team. He's got a ton of trade value, always. He's always going to be in the conversation. But sometimes he disappears and just goes dark for long periods of time. Yet he's always got that potential to flash that brilliance. Like Ian. From Ian, we go to Sean. And Everett and I had probably the most trouble we had deciding anybody was Sean. Right, buddy? Oh, he's just staring. Yeah. Because in some ways, we thought that Sean was also kind of Lance. Which makes sense. He and Christian besties hike through the woods with their dogs do a lot of things together sean wears many hats but as we were thinking about it we thought that there was a different player that sean was a lot more like and what it came down to is sean is at his at his core he is this beautiful juxtaposition of a troll and a server, right? He's somebody who's going to take care of his shit. He's very talented. He gets the nickname Mr. Nice Guy. No one doubts it. But at the same time, he also loves stirring shit on the thread in real life. And who does that better? Who is, like, more excellent on the court and then off the court, stir shit 
other than Joel Embiid. So Everett and I both agree that Sean is definitely Joel Embiid. Our easiest one by far to determine was Dewey is definitely Joe Ingles. From there, we go to Stacks. And I think that one of the things that Everett and I appreciate about Stacks as a person is that he's very good at the things he does. And they don't seem to like maybe, even if they're not like fully in line, they are, uh, they're all like a part of him and he puts himself into them. So when we were thinking about like who, who that would be, it was easy to think of like the Dario Saric comparison. Uh, and ooh, someone's getting a little fussy, right, bud? And the Dario Saric comparison, which got us thinking of the Sixers. But we don't think he's Saric. We actually think he's another Sixer. And there's one member of the Sixers that loves poetry, writes poems that get published in SI. He <clears throat> likes to host podcasts that get picked up by The Ringer. And he's excellent at what he actually does out on the court, which is, you know, a great three-point shooter. So Stacks, definitely J.J. Redick. <clears throat> From there, we go to our first one that is not actually a person, but is a whole team. And there was one team in the playoffs this year that had very high expectations. Keyword being high. And I think that if we flash back to October 15th and we look at the draft, there was one player in our league who all of us were like, damn, he had a good league. Ev, you weren't really around at that time, so you might not remember that, so I'll take this one. But we looked at this player's team and we're like, he could be very good. Then he traded for Kawhi Leonard and we're like, damn, this team could be even better. But they just could never get a W. And there was one team heading into the playoffs that people like Bill Simmons were like, you know, I could see them making a run, getting the second round, beating the, beating the Warriors. And other people thought they were a popular pick. And that is obviously the Trailblazers. Yet, when it came to actual performance, they got swept. So, the is it possible that maybe they were just too stoned the entire playoff series? Don't know. But, very high expectations, very low performance. Uh, it's got to be Adam. Our next one... <clears throat> We are actually going to choose our third Raptor. And we're going to go with uh, DeMar DeRozan. And if you think of DeMar, he's somebody who, like, everybody likes. I don't think anybody dislikes DeMar DeRozan. And he's somebody who's, like, his personal story got out there a little bit this year of, like, how he's kind of going through some things. And people, you know, really support him. Uh, he had a he had a great year where everybody you know thought dude's an all star, uh, he's an MVP candidate. Where do we put him on the All NBA teams? But when it came time to the playoffs or when performance actually mattered, he just couldn't get it done. And even in the most recent Cavs game, sat out in the fourth quarter. 
So who in the league had a season like that where they just couldn't quite get it done? And when we think about that, it's JB. He's somebody who, man, his team was so close. But there was just something right there that couldn't quite get it. So we're giving JB playoff DeMar. If we go, uh, next we're going to go to to Dan. And Dan is kind of like unlike anyone else in the league. Uh, he's the only, as far as Everett and I know, he's the only diehard Republican. Uh, he loves to bring up things that other people may or may not necessarily like. Uh, he goes out, loves killing animals, loves hunting, loves fishing, loves bringing that up. And unapologetically is great at those things, brings him up, which we all love. Uh, it's almost like he's from a different country. And he is also somebody who is un, like, there's no, there's no question the dude's talented. We know he's good at everything. He's got his own successful company. He's handy. He feeds us. He supplies us with food and tons of interesting things. So he's interesting, he's talented, yet it's like somehow just hasn't been quite been able to get it done in the playoffs. So Dan is Ben Simmons. <clears throat> then for our next one, uh, we're going to go to, we're going to keep it in the East, and we're going to go to one of Ben Simmons' opponents. And there's one team in the playoffs that's kind of been the opposite of the Blazers. Like, this team maybe should have lost in the first round. Definitely should be, should have lost in the second round. And yet somehow they're up 3-0. And they've, they came back from a 20-point deficit. They're doing great. And none of us really know how. And that's obviously the Celtics. So when you look at the Celtics, they've had some major injuries. We a bunch of us were there uh, in person watching when Gordon Hayward went down for the year, and that was a gruesome injury. Then Kyrie goes out, arguably their top two guys out. Jalen Brown is out, yet they still win. <clears throat> so how is it that this happens? You know, how do they win? Who is this person that keeps them all together? And I think that the answer is Al Horford. So Al Horford, uh, throughout the course of the year, is like people who love the Celtics are like, and you watch ball, are like, he's great. But other people just don't really give him any credit because his stats aren't that great. So Horford is somebody who brings it, makes everybody better, definitely knows his shit, definitely knows what's going on, and wins a lot. So he's obviously Andy. All right, motherfuckers. Hope you enjoyed the bonus episode of the Tom of the Latam Simmons podcast. And uh, oh, anything I'd like to plug before I leave? Sure, my other podcast, Beyond the Classroom, or uh, you know, still looking, for, still looking for sponsors. All right, peace, love, and ball.